0: Steps
1: up and This will be a wonderful game. You're listening to the ESPN Footy Podcast. Hello and welcome to ESPN's AFLW podcast. You are here today with just the two of us, Sarah Burt and Isadora McClay. Welcome, Izzy. Thanks for having me. Um, We have had a pretty, pretty big round. I'm not sure about you, but there was some very unexpected results from my end, I thought, and looking forward, we've just had a discussion offline about how unpredictable the final series is likely to be. We've got one more round left of the home and away season, and then we're into the four weeks of finals. And it's really anyone's game um, outside of a couple of the teams that um that sit on the bottom is what were some things that surprised you about this round in general?
0: Um, I would just, yeah, probably I think Saints beating Brisbane that was a big surprise for me. I definitely didn't think that was going to happen. Um, and then obviously, I didn't expect Geelong to beat Richmond by. 38 points, I thought Richmond would put up more of a fight. And I think that this round 10 is probably the most interesting round 10 we've ever had in AFLW history, just because there are so many teams that can sneak back into the top eight, which would be Yeah, fun. I absolutely,
1: sorry, I interrupted you there. I absolutely agree with you. Just looking at the results from round nine, so everyone is up to speed with what we're talking about. On Friday, the Gold Coast Suns beat GWS Giants, sorry, by (laughs) 31 points. Um, And firstly, before we do go through and mention all of the games, how did you see
0: that one is? Oh, I was saying that was like my real welcome to AFLW game. Like that was the hardest game I think I've ever played in my life. I played on Tara Bahana and that was she really was yeah welcome to AFLW um they were just able to play on their own terms the whole time and their midfield is just so connected like Charlie Robbottom is a star she when she's on the floor she's even winning the ball like and she's so strong um so I think she's like kind of underrated I feel like she kind of gets even though she gets talked about a lot I still think she's not talked about enough
1: yeah absolutely and um it would appear that they will not have her for the next round. Yes. Which, um, I mean, is probably good for um who they are facing next week, which I will get up. But um, Essendon. Essendon, there you go. That's right. Well, that's probably is good news for Essendon, actually, in a in a bit of a twisted way. Um, but looking Back at the rest of the results, Melbourne, we know, beat Fremantle by 33 points at Casey Fields. That was a pretty comprehensive win. Melbourne remain on top and um, we know that that they are going to be the team to beat. Um, then it was St Kilda versus the Brisbane Lions. Now, this was one that you mentioned. I don't know anyone that predicted this result. It was at St. Kilda's home ground at RSEA Park in Melbourne. Um, but they, yeah, it was 55 to 34. I'm not quite sure what happened there, but um, we know that RSEA Park is a really difficult ground to play at. What do you think happened there, Is?
0: Um, I think Saints just got the momentum, like, at RSEA Park, Um they get a bit of a crowd there too and, um, yeah, I just honestly think they f- they feed off the motivation from the crowd because we played them there and um, it's a bit of a fortress for them and you get it's kind of you get do get crazy where like the winds kind of do change a little bit. But, yeah, they've created a good fortress. At the start of the year, I honestly didn't think that the Saints would be um, in contention to be playing finals. But, yeah, they, their recruits like Jesse Wardlaw has really helped them.
1: Yeah, you're so right. And as it stands after that game, the Saints are ninth on the ladder. So they're not in the top eight yet, but it looks very much like they could be in contention for playing finals. We know that when the going gets tough, they really do get going. And it's similar to the Sydney Swans, which we will get to in a second, that um, they've had a bit of a rough welcome to AFL, as you put it, a rough baptism of fire and um, and now they're raring to go. So um, that was really interesting. As you say, they've put a really heavy focus on recruiting um, and, yeah, obviously have really focused on their midfield, it would appear, as well, and, and their kicking accuracy, um, which obviously did need some work. Uh, later on in the day, we had Essendon with Carlton. Essendon beat Carlton by 32 points. Uh, again, it looks like... Essendon are probably going to play finals. The Blues probably not. Uh, West Coast Eagles were defeated by the Western Bulldogs. That was their first win of the round. And um, I got myself a bit tongue tied with all of the West Bears. But yeah, <laughs> what's really interesting is I'm really happy for the Western Bulldogs. I'm really glad that they will not finish the season without a win. But there definitely needs to be some change in the off season. They need, they're going to have to really shake things up a bit. And although West Coast are not playing very well this year, I didn't know how to say it nicely. I think it's still an achievement for the Bulldogs in terms of the emotion that we saw post game. We know we saw Ellie Blackburn just overcome with emotion. It was such a relief to finally win a game and just get the monkey off the back, even though, I don't know how useful it is when there's only one round to go, but I think it was, it must've just been something that she was really um, needing personally to have at least one win. Um, But for the West Coast Eagles, you know, it's so, it must be really hard for them to listen to the commentary around, thank goodness the Bulldogs have finally won a game when these guys are just really, really struggling to get anything on the board. What do you reckon?
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It, it would definitely especially them coming off a win against um Essendon, I think West Coast probably went in with a lot of confidence. And yeah, it being played yeah, it was played in in Perth. Um and then obviously, yeah, all this commentary, you know, with Western Bulldogs finally winning a game, you definitely wouldn't want them to win one against you. Um But I will say, yeah, West Coast have had their own struggles, like with a new coach as well. That would definitely wouldn't have been a, with an easy, an easy week for them. So yeah, but they're quite a young side. So they're definitely, I would say they're, they're on the rise. It's just, yeah, hopefully next year, there's a lot of improvements for them
1: yeah agree I and mean, i mean the score isn't that it, it wasn't a comprehensive win by any means from the western bulldogs and and they both it wasn't a total run over they both did they both did score goals it was 36 to 44 so they were getting on the board it was just um unfortunately they weren't the ones that won so if i was the western bulldogs i understand their relief at getting a win um but i wouldn't be Getting too confident. Because no. it wasn't, it wasn't an out of this world amazing performance. I think it was just a sigh of relief to just get a win on the board as a moral, um, sort of emotional thing. Uh, the next one, Richmond and Geelong. Now you said you were surprised by this one. I was very surprised by this one. I was working at this game and I couldn't quite believe my eyes. It was at Icon Park, and Geelong ended up winning by. 38 points they were doing very well from the first second but something that I was quite shocked by and when you look at the score at the end is quite interesting is that there was a few goals at the start and then two quarters of nothing and then an absolute goal derby at the end so it Actually didn't make for a great game. The start was really good and the end was really good, but um it was sort of it was all geelong, but no one really did much for two quarters. It was quite odd. Yeah.
0: Yeah, just looking at they kicked six goals 13. Um for yeah. Which isn't probably was there a wind? I didn't I didn't really Yeah, see. there was
1: quite a strong wind. Um which did pick up towards the end of the game as well. Um, but to be honest, I don't know how much that would have affected Richmond's performance. Um, it They just didn't seem to be um, switched on. I think without being overly dramatic, I think Richmond are ready for the season to end. I know it's a short season and I know <laughs> that all of the um, athletes say that they'd like a longer a longer season, I'm sure you included. But I think possibly maybe with the longer game times, maybe with the list changes, maybe with the injuries they've had, I'm not sure what it is, but it seems like Richmond were getting really tired really quickly. Um, and maybe maybe they just need to step away, sort of rejig some things and recuperate a bit because they weren't stepping up to the plate and they did seem just a bit run off their feet.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think there's such a heavy reliance on um, Mon Conti that um, it's become kind of a blueprint for how other teams can sort of beat Richmond. Um, so, yeah, definitely looking for other players to step up next year. As in
1: if they can silence Monconti, then they can beat Richmond. Yeah,
0: definitely, because she's such a smart user of the ball and, like, the way she links up other players across the ground um, is definitely blueprint for how other teams can sort of beat her by sort of taking her out of the game but even in that game she did have 31 touches so um yeah yeah it's and she did yeah Mon did have a great game
1: I think something that we often discuss and on this podcast too but that we know to be true across the board in the men's and women's game is that you can't rely on your star player and Um, For a long time, people used to talk about Melbourne relying on Daisy Pearce, but now you see they've won a premiership. You see their list, it's the depth in a list when things go wrong, when unexpected things happen, um, when injuries happen, when list changes happen. It's about keeping the depth in that side and gelling as a cohort. And we know that that's something Melbourne has had in spades for the last few seasons and something that we see in the Western Bulldogs we've talked about, they rely so heavily on Ellie Blackburn. And then, like you say, Richmond, they rely so heavily on Mon Conti. And Katie Brennan's actually had a really great year this year, but she sort of does fly under the radar because she does seem to take that more leadership position instead of um, really focusing on um, that on-field structure like Mon Conti does. So it was, I was disappointed by Richmond because I do think they've improved, but um, they do just seem to be sort of losing a bit of steam. Someone that I was impressed by though, is Beth Lynch. and um, when you talk about someone flying under the radar, I think Beth has a lot of really good things to come at one point she came off injured very briefly, and I thought, well, this is absolutely it for Richmond. um turns out it was, but she did come back on. um and I think if they focus on building up the skills of players like that that have natural talent um, And, yeah, like Beth, like some of the other players they have, they just need to focus on building up their fitness and getting them used to playing, you know, a full four quarters. And I think that things are going to look really good for Richmond in in maybe a couple of years.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: The next one was Sydney versus Collingwood. Now talk to me about this one because... Um, I don't know about you, but I was shocked by this result. We know Sydney didn't win a game last year and now they are looking down the barrel of their first finals series. Collingwood always make
0: prelims. What's going on? Yeah, I don't, I really don't know. Sydney just seemed so well connected, like on the field. Um, and Chloe Malloy is having a standout year, but also they're like, even Privatelli, like she's really, um, started to, you know, come into her own, um, since yeah. So she left giants and then her second year at Swans she seems really comfortable out there and is like really taking things on. And I think she's kind of flying under the radar as well as, uh, you know, a a forward. Um, but even their young, young players, like Soph Hurley, um, is a, a star, um, I was very surprised. I thought Collingwood were going to sort of, I, I don't know, I guess just I didn't think Swans would beat Collingwood. I thought Collingwood was going to um, kind of just like show the standard difference between the Swans. But the Swans, yeah, shocked me in that. And they also played at Henson, which is a, a bit of a fortress for for them. And you saw how many fans as well were there, which is for New South Wales football, That's it's pretty good and it, it definitely helps them. Yeah, when you look at the... Top six best attended games across
1: this season, ah, uh, they are all New South Wales, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> and and um, and I think, yeah, three of them are are Sydney Swans. So it does speak to a being a a two club date and not having that competition with all of the other sides, but also people really getting behind those teams, learning who the players are and and having an affiliation with them. So I certainly agree with you that I think that that does make a big difference. As you mentioned, some of the other players, um, like Sophia Hurley, who who we possibly don't all know, Privatelli, Chloe Malloy, as you said, 18 disposals, against her old side, she probably had a bit of a fire in the belly to get that job done the same time as we just discussed you can't do it with just one player so obviously she is having a fantastic year she got three goals which <laughs> certainly helps um but someone like Lucy McAvoy 22 disposals um two marks two tackles she's really consistent we know that um they brought her over to really try and help out um Chloe Malloy in that sort of more experienced section of the side so they're certainly doing that, but I think that when you look at the Collingwood side and you talk about debt, I would have argued almost every day of the week that they have more debt than the Sydney Swans, but maybe that's just me being a a Victorian focused person. <laughs> um, but I think that it would appear that they've really gelled in recent weeks and and are really coming into their own,
0: yeah, definitely. And even with some, Allie Morford out, um, and you'd say, yeah, Collingwood won majority of the hit outs. They were still able to find a way, which was amazing. And then also, you know, um, Ruby Slasher going down, um, which thankfully isn't an ACL C- ACL injury, but she is out for the rest of the season, wouldn't have helped Collingwood at all after just coming back into the side.
1: So what? It's a PCL that we've PCL. confirmed. PCL. So, what is the rehab forecast for a PCL?
0: Um, I would say it's probably similar. I wouldn't know. I'm not a physio, but I'd say it's probably similar to an MCL. I would say, um, which I reckon would be like eight weeks. Which is again, it's you know such a short season in the men's game. They'd be back by the end of the season, but um yeah eight weeks which is she also missed I guess the seven rounds I think with was it a foot injury um yeah, yeah. so she's just had a really unlucky run and it's it's so like for Collingwood like last year as well they could have been you know with Brie Davy out and Benici and then this year um Slash is out so it's it's always kind of a what if for Collingwood
1: yeah absolutely and we know that they've got a bit of a curse of um once they hit prelims they just seem to be unable to get any further which um which is is really sad the other game that i was glued to was the adelaide crows and north melbourne two teams that are a lock for finals already what a fantastic game there was only three points in it and um North were leading until about 90 seconds before the end. Talk to me about that. Did you watch it? What did you take from it? What do you think we're going to see from these teams moving forward?
0: Yeah. So, yeah, Adelaide kicking uh, the match-winning goal in like the last, was it two minutes? And then North having a few opportunities late but unable to convert anything. Um, But North is still like in previous years, having an issue with beating sides in the top four. They, you know, they smash anyone below, but it's still those ones that they just, again, like lose by such small margins, but, yeah, aren't able to win against them and it really hurts them. Um, But hopefully that can sort of be a taster for them and they can prove it in later weeks. But, yeah, it was a great game to watch. Um, Jazz Ghana was a standout for me. Um and Riddell, but, yeah, Marinoff and Hatchard's connection in the midfield is just so good.
1: Yeah. And when you look at some of the players that, like, yeah, like all of the names that you just mentioned, traditionally, I mean, they've all been in their sides for almost the entirety of the AFLW League existing. How much do you think they rely on those four players? instead of focusing on... They they both have very, very, very strong forward lines and very, very strong midfields. Um, We know that North have a particularly strong defensive line, black line. How much do you think they rely on people like Riddell to um, sort of carry the result of that game? And do you think that that will last them into finals?
0: Yeah, I think there would be a very heavy reliance on the likes of Riddell and Ghana, um, especially to stand up in those moments. Um, and I think again, like it's pretty for better sides, I guess, with stars across the board, like a Melbourne who have such great depth and like an Adelaide, it's, it's easy to sort of easier to, I guess, stop those two and still have stars around the paddock. Um, for them to um, stop. So you could tag a, you know, a Garner and a Riddell and then you still would have some another player winning the midfield. Yeah, agree.
1: The next one and the final game for the round was Hawks versus Port Adelaide. Hawthorne won by eight. It was 40 to 32 and... As we go to record, we have been told the very sad but not unexpected news that Aaron Phillips has retired. So um will not captain Port Adelaide next year, of course, but has um had a very illustrious career. But I suppose one thing that I thought of immediately when I heard that news today was that after such a successful career, it's quite disappointing to finish. 17th on the ladder, um, and have a draw and I think the rest of them were losses. Um, it seems sort of sad after such a such a really fantastic career.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, such a, st- a Stella's like three prim- time premiership player, um, AFLW best and fairest, like her resume speaks for itself. But yeah, moving to port and kind of not having that success, but I feel like in her move to Port, she would have known what she was there to do. And I guess she's got, she had this young group around her and she knows that she's probably was probably there more to develop the player and also a life, like lifelong Port Adelaide supporter. But, um, I guess her mentoring the likes of like Daric, um, is probably something that she was probably looking more to finish her career on. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be crazy to have a league without the likes of Phillips. And then, you know, Daisy Pierce retiring as well at the start of this year. It's it's an end of an era. It's kind of weird to think about. because um, yeah, such a pioneer of AFLW. Absolutely,
1: it is the end of an era. And that's exactly what I thought too. It's um, you know, once you start getting to, and I'm not suggesting that it's coming anytime soon, but when you look at the Ebony Marinoffs and the Ann Hatchards and um, you know, there's so many people that that have really carried this league and seen the inception of this league through and really built it up to what it is today. And once they start retiring, it's then it's up to that next generation, that second generation to, to carry that through. So um, you are certainly very right. Now, I'd like to look, I know we've been through it um, progressively, but I'd just like to call out what the ladder looks like right now ahead of round 10. So Melbourne is at one, Adelaide Crows a second, North Melbourne a third, Brisbane Lions a fourth, Essendon a fifth. Now the five underneath that are very, very, very close together. It's the Gold Coast Suns at six, Geelong Pats, Sydney Swans, St Kilda and Collingwood. They are all within sort of 10 percentages of each other. They are, in fact, Geelong, Sydney, St Kilda and Collingwood all on 20 points. <laughs> um, and then at number 11 is Carlton. I dare say that that's probably where we stop looking at who might be in, in contention for finals. Stranger things have happened, but um, that's sort of how I'm calling it as. What do you think we're going to see and we'll go through the fixture for the next round in a second but is what do you think we're going to see with these sort of five teams that sit between the 5 and 10 do you think that there's going to be a lot of pressure do you think there's going to be blowouts do you think we're going to see really close games how do you think this is going to play out
0: um yeah i feel like it's going to be it's going to be a really good weekend for AFLW um because yeah the the teams that they are playing as well. It's not like there will be heaps of blots. You know, you've got Essendon and Suns playing each other, which I think will be a really good game. But, you know, they're without Charlie Rowbottom, so it'll be interesting to see how they can go without her. Um, Yeah, I'm really not sure. I, I just, I don't know what to make of Fremantle. Like, I'm not, Swans go over to Perth to take on Fremantle. So I, I'm not sure kind of what to expect from that one. Um yeah it's it's about to be a really good weekend of AFLW and a lot of teams are kind of on this on this late rise as well they've got the momentum um in like the Saints you know and Swans um but yeah
1: yeah and i think one that we that will be really interesting to see is as you said the Swans have Fremantle in Fremantle the Saints have Carlton so If you're a betting person, you'd probably say the Saints will beat Carlton. That's not a lock at all because they're they only sit, um, there's only two spots between them. Um, but you'd you'd probably say that Sydney are gonna beat Frio. They're sitting at eighth right now, so you'd want them to win comfortably to make sure that they keep their spot in finals. St. Kilda. They are going to need to absolutely smash Carlton if they want to make finals. Again, from what we saw on the weekend, if they can beat Collingwood, I really do think that they can leapfrog their way into finals. One game that I am very much looking forward to seeing is Collingwood and Richmond because Collingwood currently sit at 10th. It's not outside of the realms of possibility that they could make their way into the top eight. But again, it's going to have to be a slacking. Do you see that happening for Collingwood?
0: Um I, <laughs> I I feel like they could. I feel like um it is quite a possibility. And in a game that they probably should have won on the weekend, um I can see them really going out and beating Richmond. Um, yeah, at Vic Park. Um, yeah, I think Collingwood could make the eight. Yeah, I agree with you. I th-
1: and I mean, the reality is anything could happen here, which is why it's going to be such an exciting round. Two teams that we know are without a doubt in finals. We've all predicted it all season are the Melbourne Demons and the Adelaide Crows. They're currently sitting at first and second, respectively. Now, the Adelaide Crows are playing the West Coast Eagles, who, as we've said, have had a terrible season. (laughs) Melbourne (laughs) are playing Brisbane, who are currently sitting fourth and have not had a terrible season. In fact, are very much in shape, are very comfortably in the top eight and have beaten Melbourne before. So. My proposal is that Melbourne are going to have to have a very, very, very convincing win against the Brisbane Lions if they want to keep that top spot because the Adelaide Crows are knocking on the door and they are essentially a lock for a big win against the West Coast Eagles.
0: Yeah, definitely. Melbourne's going to want to win by lot, but it's also um, down at Brisbane's home ground. Um, I will say I do have Melbourne winning that game, but I just don't think it will be enough um, to comfortably sit at remain at first on the ladder. So
1: you think we'll see the Adelaide Crows up on top of the ladder by the end of round 10? Um, yes. Okay. You heard it here first. I like it. <laughs> well, <good>.
0: percentage-wise.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, well it's oh. that's all that counts.
0: So Yeah, because they're both on the same points.
1: So when you look, and we'll finish off on this, when you look at the ladder as it stands, give us the top eight by the end of by the end of this round, give us your top
0: eight. Okay. I'm gonna go different. Yeah, I'm gonna go Adelaide, Melbourne, North, Brisbane. That's my dog snoring, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> um, I reckon I've got Essendon beating, oh, but it's at Mackay. I've got Suns beating Essendon, so would that that would push them to f- fifth? Um, yeah. and then Essendon is one hundred percent in finals. Yeah. So I'll just go. Yes, six Essendon. And I've got 8th, 7th Geelong, 8th Collingwood Yeah, okay I'm similar
1: I've got Melbourne staying on top Adelaide Brisbane North Geelong Essendon Sydney Collingwood Do I need one more? No no, that's perfect. No, um, that's my tip. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but um, <laughs> there, heard it here first. We will come back next week and see where we are. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we look forward to recapping round ten with you very soon. Don't miss another episode of the ESPN Footy Pod by subscribing wherever you stream your podcast.